good about this game first of all i'm headed to the natty this week to go to my first Bengals game at pbs and probably about what 12 years well not my first not well it's been a while this would be i guess my third time that i've been there the first time i went it's crazy because the first the games that i've been to have been some big statement games so that game that Corey dillon broke the russian record for 278 yards when he still has a record, obviously it's been broken uh, after that. But I was at that game. Uh, the second game I remember being at, I might have been at two or three, but the second game I remember being at was in, I think it might have been, I can't remember exactly when it was, but it was the game that Rudy had a coming out party. Uh, Corey Dillon, ironically, was involved in a car accident on his way to the game, and Rudy goes out and has his first big statement game. Like, I was at the game when they created the Rudy, Rudy chant. Like, we were in the <laughs> crowd cheering for Rudy. So this is going to be the first time that I've returned to Paul Brown Stadium uh, since I've left Cincinnati, since I moved to Florida and stuff like that. And I figured, looking at the schedule, I was like, what better experience to have coming back home watching this game than to go to a home opener. Like, of course, I was definitely eyeing that Steelers game. I'm not going to lie. But I was like, I just want to see what the energy in the city is going to be like. And especially after seeing what happened week one, I'm extremely excited and pumped up for this game because it's truly a new day. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to tell you, it's nothing like a home opener, a home opener because there's a level of optimism that's still fresh in the air. We're still in the honeymoon period with Zach Taylor. So you got a lot to be excited with. I know you're going to go holler at my man Chris and go get a shape up or something before you go head over there. Um, there's, there's a lot of good things that um, I think you're going you're gonna to be pleasantly surprised with. I was at the home opener last year where we annihilated the Ravens. Um, I think I, I recapped it on YouTube and stuff, but, I mean, that was lit. Um, moving forward to this game coming up, what are your expectations? Let's start with the offense. Do you think the offense will deliver again, and do you think they have a chance to get this running game started? Well, going off of listening to Zach Taylor, who said that he felt that they had some self-inflicted issues in the red zone, I think that they get over those this week. Zach Taylor is a guy that's about the details. And one thing that impressed me is when you go back to the preseason, I think it was uh, week two or something like that. The Bengals had a lot of miscues and mistakes. And if you remember, the next week it was like a totally different team. Like he made the adjustments. He fixed the mistakes. I see something similar happening with uh, this game plan coming up in terms of San Francisco. I think that they're going to know that when they get into the red zone, they're going to have to punch this in. The other advantage that the Bengals have, is that the 49ers play a similar defense 
to what the Seahawks run because apparently their defensive coordinator is from Pete Carroll's uh, coaching tree, so he runs a similar defense. So I think offensively we saw that the Seattle or the Bengals had success against Seattle. I think you'll see that happening against the San Francisco 49ers. Now, in my opinion, you still have to account for a guy like D. Ford, Nick Bosa, uh, DeForest Buckner. They, in my opinion, the 49ers have a stronger defensive front. But I also think that the fact that the Bengals play that well on the road, I can't wait to see how they play in front of this crowd because whether people want to believe it or not, the players care what the fans think, right? They care what me and you think. They care what we could jump on these platforms and think. They're on social media. They're aware that if they get this city behind them, they know what it's like. Guys who have been here since 2015 and things of that nature know what this city is capable of, and I think that they want to prove and make a statement not only to the NFL but also to the Cincinnati fans. So I think offensively, they're going to come out aggressive. I mean, we don't know if Joe Mixon is playing or not. In my opinion, I feel like Joe Mixon is possibly the best weapon that we have on offense, but I'm still not worried if we go into this game without him because Giovanni Bernard showed me a lot last week. Outside of the miscue on the fourth and one, which I think, like you said, if a Samaje Piran was there, he would have possibly have gotten it. But Gio made some plays. He looked pretty good when he was managing that role. So those are things that I'm not afraid of. Uh, what do you look forward to offensively from this game for the Bengals? I want to see is this defensive front – um, for the 49ers going to have a bigger impact than the Seahawks. Because me personally, I think that I, I kept on, I made a lot of jokes about clowny, clowny all last week during the live and everything <laughs> like that, where I'm just saying, like, I don't really respect clowny the way that everybody else was. But you know a guy that I do is Nick Bosa, Eric Armstead, and D Ford. So to me, I think I want to see how does the offense uh, counter that that attack a little, you know, like what do they do to 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 succumb to that? Because one thing that's going to be another a common theme is if they can't run, they're going to go heavy screen, and we are we going to see a lot of bad passes. The guys that are named, they're all freaks. They're all uh, so if you're not familiar with these players, I'm saying from the 49ers, they're all built like Carlos Dunlap, but they can play inside and outside. They're three tech guys that move all around their defensive front. So these are guys that can jump in passing lanes. You could possibly see like a pick six on a screen if, they are, if they're watching their film and doing a lot. So Bengals got to be very, very cautious with that quick screen game. Um, if Joe Mixon plays, I think that changes it a lot because then you, you can kind of suck the defense in a little bit. So I'm really, really interested in to see that. But more importantly, I think I, I want to see – and I, and I just said Joe Mixon, I want to see will they be able to finally establish anything with the run game because throwing it 50 times a game is not going to win games for the Bengals. As much as uh, um, Dalton had huge success in the first game, that's not going to be enough, and that's not something that I think he can sustain. And that's not a knock, a knock on Dalton. It's just two or three quarterbacks in the NFL that can throw it 50 times a game every week and have success. Um, I think that would actually play into the hands of the 49ers a little bit more. So one guy that I want to see the Bengals attack is, uh, uh, I think, uh, Fred Warner is the linebacker for the 49ers. I think he ended last week against the Buccaneers with about eight tackles. Some places haven't recorded with seven. But on my end, 
are they able to get to that second level, and when they do, they don't have a Bobby Wagner bearing down on mixing this game or P. Ryan or Jill. So that would be the level of attack that I want to see them go at. Um, aside from that, if you all missed it too, Richard Sherman had a pick six. So is he going to shy away from throwing it that way? Um, the difference, I think, with the Bengals is Richard Sherman, if you all don't know, also likes to play one side of the field. So him shadowing someone doesn't doesn't really happen. So I don't see him shadowing like a Ross or a Boyd or something like that. The great thing about the Bengals' offense that we saw from week one is that it's a balanced passing attack. So I'm not too worried about that, but I do think passing it plays more into the 49ers' hands than what it was this past week with the Seahawks. I think you made some excellent points there. I think some of the differences that make me feel like the San Francisco defense is stronger than the Seahawks, uh, you hit the nail on the head. You're talking about Richard Sermon. Uh, although he's, you know, kind of had some physical limitations lately with his Achilles, um, I think what the Bengals will have to do is test that Achilles with a guy like a John Ross. Can he stick on John Ross? Like last week, he obviously had the assignment of Mike Evans, but being down here in Florida and being friends with some Bucks fans, I was able to get more insight into why exactly Mike Evans may have not performed at a top level last week. Um, apparently he went into that game with the flu. So I'm not trying to take anything away from Richard Sherman. He's obviously a better corner than the Seahawks had. Uh, you talk about the defensive line, as you mentioned. Um, all of those edge rushers, I feel like, and inside guys are better than what they had in Seattle. Um, at the linebacking core, uh, Quine Alexander was a guy that they actually picked up in free agency. He actually was kicked out of last week's game after – uh, what was deemed to be an illegal hit on Jameis Winston. He was a former Buccaneer, so I guess the refs may have thought that that was somewhat personal. Uh, but we'll have to see what he brings to that defense. I know in Tampa, a lot of their fans really liked Quan Alexander. They thought that he was a big loss. Obviously, they replaced him with Devin White. We'll have to see what happens there. I know in their secondary, they're a bit stronger as well as the safety positions. Uh, you talk about Weatherspoon. Uh, you can also talk about, depending on whether he comes back this week or not, because he didn't play this week, they also have Jason Verrett. So you're facing a stronger defense. But I feel like, to be honest with you, I feel like Zach Taylor is smart enough to still figure out how to get these guys and scheme against these guys. I think you're going to see little wrinkles here and there with Damian Willis. Although Zach Taylor thought that Willis played decent, he still kind of made comments that he expected him to play a little bit better. Um, so I think we'll see that happen. I think we may see Tyler Eifert possibly get utilized more. Uh, me personally, I'm a big Eifert guy. But five receptions for like thirty yards is not the impact that we were that I was expecting from him. I guess really, you, you thought that's so week one. You thought Eifert was going to blow it up. I didn't think Eifert was going to blow it up. I felt like it was going to be a John Ross, uh, kind of a John Ross kind of day. But I thought that at least Eifert would have you know five catches for forty yards and a touchdown. I expected them to target Eifert in the red zone and to me I just really didn't see that. Like I, I kinda saw them targeting him uh before the fifty yard line 
and I expected to see them, like, in the red zone, I'm just like, okay, it's Eifert time. Like, this is where he does his work. Like, even when you go back to 2015, that's really where his bread and butter was. So when they weren't going to him in the red zone, that kind of had me scratching my head a little bit, especially when you don't have a guy like Auden Tate there, um, especially when you look at guys like Tyler Boyd and uh, John Ross. And even though John Ross scored a lot in the red zone, we didn't – I don't really look at John Ross as, like, a red zone guy. Like, when you get down to that area, you just try to force it to him. And I felt like that's what they were going to do with Tyler Eifert, but we really didn't see that. Um, so I feel like I feel like you can really scheme John Ross up. Because think about it, you played the cornerback position before, too, though. Right. John Ross in, in, in a phone booth is not someone you want to cover in a short amount of space. You want to get him out where you can pin him to a sideline or you can pin him, like, to different areas. I think if you go look at his seven touchdowns last year, it's like when Dalton knows that he's got a matchup that he wants, right. it's the perfect formula because you had to double up on A.J. Green or you had to show attention to Eifert or something like that. There's not one man in the NFL that can cover Ross one-on-one. I don't care who you're talking about, not in the red zone. So right. I do disagree with that point. I think John Ross – you don't have to force them nothing. You get them on the matchup that you like, put them in motion, and it should be money. I think that's one of the biggest things that I want to look for uh, coming up this week. Uh, going Speaking of John Ross, I did want to ask you this because we had a bunch of questions on this. Coming up this week, we now have Auden Tate a full participant in practice. We now also have Cordy Glenn closer to coming off a of concussion protocol. He's 27, now 28 days off of the uh, concussion protocol. With that said, moving forward, and before we get to the defensive part of the Bengals, on the offensive side of the ball, from a fantasy perspective, John Ross, sit or play. Um, uh, what was the other one I got? Um, Mixon, we just talked about him a little bit. Tyler Boyd, sit or play. Um, and then also a couple people asked me about Dalton, too. What do you feel like from a fantasy perspective? Are there any guys on the offensive side of the ball that you think that you wouldn't play this week and guys that you know that you must play this week because you think they'll be on fire? That's an interesting uh, one there. I would say going off of going off of what my feeling is in this game, I think John Ross will continue – what he did last week. I don't think that it's going to be a 155 and two scores, but I could see John Ross having like a 95-yard game with a touchdown. Um, so I would start John Ross. Uh, in terms of sitting right now, I can't really say that I would sit someone, but if you had another option that had a better matchup than Andy Dalton, I would probably sit Andy Dalton this game just because – this is a stronger defense, in my opinion. And if you have somebody that has a favorable matchup, then I would probably start them. But if you have two quarterbacks, let's just say, for instance, you got two quarterbacks that both have hard matchups, I'd kind of go with Dalton because I think Zach Taylor is going to make sure that he game plans for him to have a good game and to take advantages of the 49ers' defense. In terms of the running back position, if Joe Mixon ends up playing in this game, he's an automatic start. You always start your studs in fantasy. You never sit your studs. That's like the golden rule. If he plays, then you start him. If Geo plays, I still think that you might start him. But you have to caution and worry about, depending on if you play in a PPR or a standard league, if you're playing in the standard league, don't be surprised if Samar J. P. Ryan ends up taking – 
are vulturing a touchdown away from him because he's a bigger back. He could be a guy that can squeeze in between the tackles when they're in the red zone. So proceed with caution with Geo, but if you're in PPR or half PPR, you should be good with Geo. He'll get plenty of catches. You're at least guaranteed to get about 10 fantasy points out of him. Yeah, that's a good that's a good point about Piran taking some of the a potential touchdown or so away from Geo. From my standpoint, yeah, I, I wouldn't play Dalton. Eifert is one guy that I was thinking about uh, a lot, and I actually would play him this week. And I have him on my fantasy football team, and I got Eifert or even Jordan Reed is an option, um, and then Noah Fant is a third option for me as well. But I, I think I'm going Eifert. And I think you can play the Bengals' defense. Uh, they aren't owned in a bunch of leagues. I don't know if some people might have picked them up this week. Um, but I'd start the Bengals' defense. Jimmy Garoppolo, in my opinion, uh, hasn't been off to a great start. He's He hasn't looked good since preseason, in my opinion. He was shaky uh, in his first game. He is coming off of a knee injury, so... I think that the Bengals' defense is a good play and a sneaky play this week. I think that you'll be in for a decent showing um, in comparison to a game that happened last week. If you had, say, for instance, a really good defense in the Jacksonville Jags going against the best offense, one of the best offenses in the league against Kansas City, I would start a Bengals' defense over that. If you have something similar that you're looking at this week, pick up the Bengals' defense, start them, and have no worries because – I mean, I think Lou and Arumo showed us last week that this defense is going to be playing on fire. Absolutely. Good one. With that said, let's go to the defensive side of the ball. What do you see from that? From the defensive side of the ball, to me, this game is easy. Um, In terms of how to guard the 49ers offense, they run their offense through one player. That player, if you guys play fantasy, you know the name. His name is George Kittle. Um, It's a tight end offense. He's a guy that is – their number one weapon. They also have a running back by the name of Matt Burita, who if you're familiar with fantasy football, you know him too. Uh, From the way that the Bengals played last week, I think we continue to see that front played against this 49ers offense. We'll see the 5-2. We'll see the multiple looks. We'll see a little bit of the 3-4 and the nickel. Uh, But I think that Lou Anarumo has to be looking at this tape and saying, how can we contain George Kittle? I think that he's targeted so many times that you really can't shut him down. And when you look at, or when I looked at the San Francisco 49ers game, and that's why it's important to watch the film and not the box scores, if you look at the box scores, it looks like George Kittle only had about 50 receiving yards, and that was it. He actually had two, not not just one, but two touchdowns called back in that game so this was a game that he actually blew the doors off of the Buccaneers defense but it was negated because of offensive line penalties holding calls and things of that nature Um, so he's a guy that you have to game plan against Um, our defensive line is I think our strength and this is going to be a better test for them because in my opinion the 49ers also have the better offensive line versus Seahawks so Mike McGlinchey, this is a guy that's very aggressive. They also have a center that they just got back. I think his name is Rich Westerman or something like that. If I'm saying his name wrong, it is what it is. But they have a stronger offensive line. We've got to it take is what it is. <laughs> true. We've got to take advantage of of uh, that offensive line. And I think from a quarterback standpoint, Jimmy Garoppolo is a guy that 
is a decent quarterback, but he he can throw turnovers. And this has to be a game where we can force some of those turnovers. And, you know, outside of uh, a fumble and things of that nature, this may be a game where we can try to get some interceptions. And you look at their offensive uh, firepower, you talk about a rookie and Debo Samuel at the wide receiver position. Uh, you no talk Tevin about, Coleman. No Tevin Coleman. You talk about uh, – Pettis as the wide receiver, he's probably their best receiver, but no guys that really that really scare you outside of focusing on Matt Burita and uh, George Kittle. And I think if you limit those guys, because I don't think it's realistic to say that you're gonna you're gonna shut these guys down, right? We limited Tyler Lockett last week, right? And it was one catch and one touchdown. And although some people may say that was a big play in the game, that's still pretty damn good for playing defense against Tyler Lockett. So if we could limit George Kittle to 40 yards and a touchdown, in my opinion, that would be containing George Kittle and not having him blow up a game. So as long as our defense can do that, which I'm confident that they can, and I'm confident that they will, I think that this Bengals defense will play huge in this game. Zim, what are your thoughts? I think that you made a lot of great points where I, I'm I'm pretty much just channeling my inner ace boogie on this one, and I feel like I'm I'm agreeing with you a lot. Um, from a running back, it's it's the same argument that I had last week. It's like, who are these guys um, that are unproven, and why do you feel, from a national standpoint, that they have more talent? And I know that some of our stars are a little bit uh, a bit longer in the tooth, like a, a Geo. Um, you know, like I guess when they look at an AJ Green who isn't playing anyway, like they're looking at these guys like that. But we got a very very good young core that's like that's proven. Teams like the Seahawks and the Forty ers don't have a big. You know what I mean? Like they don't have right. the stars nor have proven players. But yet the national uh, sentiment, I guess, is that these guys have more talent. And when I look at these guys on paper, from a defensive standpoint, I do respect a lot of the, the defensive front. And then the same thing um, with a Richard, Sher- Richard Sherman, of course. But there are holes all over their defense. But then when I go to the offensive standpoint, the one guys that you know that I do know, like a Tevin Coleman, um, I think they cut uh, who is that uh, the wide receiver that we do know. I think they recently cut him. What is the guy that used to play for the Ravens? Whatever his name is. And, and so, like, these guys that are there, like a Pettis or something, to me hasn't proven anything. From a fantasy standpoint, I get it. But that's not somebody that I'm scared of, and William Jackson can one-on-one that guy. So, right. throughout that, I just don't see them putting up enough points. If you look at the Buccaneers game, if you guys haven't seen it or whatever, shout-out to my man Wade Martin and David Martin and, and his brother. Um, they are uh, – well, Wade is a Buccaneers fan, and I have these bets with him every year. Um, he thinks that the Buccaneers are going to be legit every year, and I and I feel bad for this guy because I'm here <laughs> to tell you, the Buccaneers suck. And Jameis Winston <laughs> – <let me, laughs> Winston throws three picks. His Achilles heel is just turnovers. He, he The one bone in his body that he doesn't have is fear, and that can hurt you. <laughs> And he can also help you. Andy Dalton could get a little bit of that because last week, you know, one thing I looked at was I know him a little bit. He that Tyler Boyd play is a mirror image of the exact same play that Mahomes hit Sammy Watkins on, and it upsets me though. Like I'm not taking nothing away from Dalton's game. He had a great game, whatever. 
But if we're going to win, and, and people that think that now they're on board for nine wins, ten wins, you got to hit plays like that. Early, Like when I looked at that play during the game, it didn't seem so bad. But now looking at it, that is a wide-open touchdown that is severely underthrown. And the one thing that he that Dalton has a tendency to do is he he doesn't like to throw the pylons or he doesn't like to throw deep outs. And sometimes he gets in a lot of trouble for it. Um, on that on that particular play, he was trying to throw it like in the pocket, like how he threw it to Boyd when they beat the Ravens, and right. and, he, and and Boyd got in between three defenders, and then he cut it upfield. But in this particular play, in Zach Taylor's offense is. Boyd is going to suck the defense in, bring him in, and then cut right to the pylon on the outside part. Boyd was in route to do that, and it was a badly thrown ball. Jameis Winston is going to throw a bunch of those where he's attempting to do it, but he doesn't have the arm talent to do it. That's why he severely has – he has when he has turnovers, they're bad, bad penalties. I mean, bad, bad turnovers, and that's why you saw the Richard Sermon pick six. But that's a ball that Dalton would never throw. With that said, Jesse Bates is my player of the game for this. He has to step up. He has to play the range on this thing. If Jameis Winston gets benched or whatever happens, he's got to be able to cover the field and let uh, uh, people like William Jackson one-on-one Pettis and be able to everybody take their responsibilities and, and don't lose, don't get out of place, don't lose the discipline. And that would be my major key to the game because those points, that you're seeing from the 49ers on a game or whatever are primarily off of those three interceptions where they're switching the field position. If Andy Dalton plays a game, anything remotely close to that Seahawks game last week, that automatically makes it a tight game. But then if Andy Dalton excels in the red zone, it will be a complete blowout against the 49ers. That is the difference to me, and Jesse Bates has to step up, and he has to be what we want him to be in this game. He had a missed tackle in that last game, and some will argue that was Drake Kirkpatrick's fault. Some will argue it's Jesse Bates' fault. Whatever it is, do not make that same mistake again and give points to, to bad teams or average teams and give them easy touchdowns, and we'll be fine in this game. Right. I I tend to agree with you on that. Like, looking at reviewing the actual game from last week, people may say that it looked like, if you just looked at the box score, it looks like they just crushed the Buccaneers. Watching that game, that game was close. The Buccaneers were in that game, and those pivotal turnovers really won the 49ers that game. Outside of that, offensively, the 49ers really didn't do anything. It was a sloppy game. There were a lot of penalties and a lot of flags. And I think if the Bengals can play discipline, they if they can go out there and not turn the ball over and capitalize, I think just like Zim is saying, you will see a very confident team. This also is a 49ers team that was 0-7 on the road last year, and they won a game in Tampa basically because of turnovers, because of Jameis Winston. And then they're heading up to Cincinnati now. This isn't a great road team, okay? So this is a game that I think that the Bengals will lock in, and I think me and them both believe that the Bengals lock in and come away with a big win in PBS. And I feel like I feel like it's going to be the right environment. And we as fans have to be out there and support the team. If you're thinking about going to this game, get you a ticket. I don't care if it's in the nosebleed. We need this jungle rocking. We need to support this team because it's a new day.
I believe, hey, I, look, I don't think we got nothing to worry about. What we need to is, more importantly, if you see my man Ace Boogie in the crowd or anything like that, walk up to him, get a picture or whatever. I'm going to make sure I post it on my Instagram. Like, make sure if you're a fan of his work, you watching him, all this stuff on YouTube, don't be afraid to just hit him up and find out where he's at and take a picture with my man. I think that's going to be really, really good. And it's, and it's a, just a, we, we all need to support each other right now in this new day. I don't think it's going to be any question that thing is going to be rocking. One o'clock, get there early. That early, that traffic that you're going to get from there, you need to plan on being there at 12. Yeah, we're going to be in the building. I'm going to be in Section 118, Row 24. That's Section 118, Row 24. I know a lot of people have been asking me on the YouTube channel and all different places where, I'm gonna go, where am I going to be at. That will be where I'll be at. So definitely come vibe with me. We're going to rock out. Zim, is there anything that you want to say before we get out of here? Um, let's get this dub. <laughs> let's get this dub. Let's get this dub, get baby. Dub. Make sure you check out Zim stuff on Instagram at Zim underscore Hooday. Check his stuff out. Be sure to join the live and stuff when he goes live on Sunday as well. With that, let's go get this dub. Let's Hooday. get this out. Hooday.